In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, Hotels.com here. Struggling to keep up with your toddler? We know a hotel that'll keep them entertained. Book family-friendly hotels with pools in the Hotels.com app to find your perfect somewhere. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? So I'm reading the Philadelphia Experiment by Mm. Bill Moore, and the way it opens is the whole thing is like that creating invisibility is man's (laughs) ultimate fantasy. Yeah, because then you can (laughs) be like super fat and still be invisible. (laughs) But still just look like a big green fart cloud, but but can't see any woman you want naked as long as she does not notice the giant buzzing green cloud in her room. Yeah, it's not quite as romantic as the movies make it out to seem, I don't think. Oh, no. No, it's a pervert. It's a pervert. All right. This is the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. And ever since episode two, this other guy's been with us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm locked in now. Yes. This is my career now. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. You're forced to be with me now, probably for another 19 years. Oh, and there is no time that I think about walking into this office and you guys are sitting there and, oh, my God, we have conceal and carry. (laughs) But either way. um, All right. Today's topic. I'm I'm physically scared. That is satire. I am just joking. Uh, Today's topic is the Philadelphia Experiment, which uh, I did not know a lot about until this week. And uh, it's very fun. Yeah, it's very fun. And it is not the uh, thing that Tom Hanks did in order to get very sick in that film. Well, I don't know how he (laughs) lost all that weight, but we're not going to get into that. Absolutely not. The Philadelphia Experiment, a.k.a. Project Rainbow, was a rumored technological test that the U.S. government undertook on October 28, 1943, to see if they could render a Navy destroyer completely invisible. You hear that swishing noises? Quotation marks. Air quotes. <laughs> this this, ep- this is an episode of only quotation marks. Imagine right. that the, the SoundCloud file has quotation marks <laughs> on either side of it. So This is a very fun story. It is com- essentially completely fake, but right. it's mostly fun if to you, talk about how fake it is. If you want to believe, it can be true. Now, how does the U.S. government come up with the names for their operations? Operation Paperclip, Operation Rainbow. Is it just what they're looking at? <laughs> well, uh, how, Is there any rhyme or reason why it's called Operation Rainbow? Well, actually... Operation Rainbow, it's a bit of a misconception because Rainbow was the uh, code word for the Axis powers during World War II. Uh, So this, uh, the Philadelphia Experiment, a lot of what it is is just these conspiracy theorists picking and choosing certain things and cobbling it all together to make a really fun story. Ooh, like a fun quilt full of absolute (laughs) madness and nonsense. Yeah, and nerd pube hair. (laughs) Mm, That's my favorite kind of quilt. It's very itchy. (laughs) Now, according... To legend, the U.S. government actually managed to make the USS Eldridge invisible in addition to sending it on a quick teleportation jaunt, but it came at the cost of the life, limb, sanity, or corporeality. 
for most of those aboard. And that's the hardest shit. Yeah. If you lose your feet, oh, that's bad. It is bad. But do they come back all healed up? Like with powerful? No. They're just, no. They're just gone. No. They're gone. Feet are gone. Feet are now in the ship. You saw an alien. That was kind of cool. You traveled to Norfolk, Virginia. Right. For up to maybe 10 minutes, they said. In the teleportation thing, but I mean, you don't even get to get a magnet because your feet are a part of the ship now. Oh, I see. So in Norfolk, Virginia, was there just a day in the 1940s where a bunch of feet were laying around? Well, we're gonna get to okay, all of I'm that. I'm confused <laughs> about the feet. <laughs> you're you're dead. Henry's jumping ahead. You're jumping. Oh ahead. my goodness! All right, we're teleporting ahead. <laughs> <laughs> now it must be said that the Philadelphia experiment itself is mostly rumor sourced from two men, one of whom was the human version of a green text on. On a black background alien website while the other claimed he met Mark Hamill in Hawaii in 1956. Interesting. I gotta say. Because that was when he was like four, right? <laughs> Some, no, he said that he met full-grown Mark Hamill in Hawaii in 1956. And Time keeps on slipping. It totally does. And I know for a fact that Mark Hamill is a listener to many of the shows here on Cave Comedy Radio. He likes a lot of our tweets, so shout out Mr. Hamill. Shout out Mr. Hamill, and if you can confirm or deny that you met a man uh, with the last name of Bielik in Hawaii in 1956, our Twitter is at LP on the left. Thank you, Mr. Hamill. What are you afraid of? <laughs> what are you afraid of, Mark Hamill? What are you fucking hiding? I think that this is about cowardice, and I'm calling you out. Oh I'm going to fight you and your family, and it's easy to find you're in los angeles and i just gotta walk around being like where's luke skywalker oh my goodness your fucking house he's our he's my favorite celebrity listen he's the best however the philadelphia experiment is as henry said more about the people behind the conspiracy theory than the theory itself and as you'll see the story also plays a fairly large part in the development of ufo lore as we know it today but before we get to the people, let's get to the experiment itself presented to you, cobbled together from various internet sources the best we can, as there are mountains of conflicting information out there about this. Now, the Philadelphia experiment was supposedly the brainchild of Albert Einstein, Nikola Tesla, and Dr. John von Neumann, who was the wheelchair-bound Hungarian scientist who was partly the inspiration for the Dr. Strangelove character. And they Newman! Got, they got together for another experiment called How Many Virgins Can We Shove in a Room? Three. And I'll tell you out. how many. As many as you're willing to put your hands on. <laughs> oh, what are y'all talking about? Albert Einstein was a Brutal pussy hound. I don't know. No. I was just making a joke because he's more intelligent than me, and I felt the need to bring him down a peg. I understand that, yes, he had everything going for himself. I am the most wonderful genius professor of physics of all time. Also, come closer, smell my mustache. Do you know what that smell is? Yeah. That pussy liquor. Oh. I got that pussy liquor all up in my mustache. Mr. Make me smart. Dr. Einstein, can we just get on with the experiment, please? <laughs> oh, yeah, you betcha. Oh, that uh, slipped right into Jamaican by the end of it. Once again, like every single time. Somehow a Jamaican Einstein sounds amazingly fun. Pussy liquor, making energy into gravity. You got to get into it. Oh, my goodness. The Philadelphia experiment itself was helmed in one version of the story by a guy named Dr. Frank Reno, who was looking for a military use for Einstein's unified field theory. Hmm. Marcus, go ahead and attempt to explain the UFT. Gonna do it best I can. All right. Now, the best as I understand it, the UFT theorizes that all of the fundamental forces in nature 
Gravitational, electromagnetic, strong and weak nuclear forces can be unified into one overall theory. Now, like, overall is like a man wears instead of clothes in order to be quickly released from his clothes? Overall meaning all-encompassing. Oh. <laughs> I see. So, like, when a boxer wins two belts and he unifies them. I, I mean. What? That makes no sense. Boxing you is coming different back. different weight classes? It doesn't work like that. No, it does work like that. You can you can hold two belts in two different weight classes. It's very difficult to do. I mean. You can tell a heavyweight boxer can, can go down Tracy to a middleweight. himself. He can literally, like, he can purge himself into being a middleweight or welterweight no, they, and then win the, also that battle. Is that a yes, battle? It is a battle in some ways, but yes, they don't vomit. They work out. They're very in shape, Henry. <laughs> anyway. Now, for Einstein's part, he attempted to unify the general theory of relativity, E equals MC squared, with electromagnetism, I think. Now, the Philadelphia experiment tried to expand that to manipulate gravitational forces using electromagnetism to bend light so as to render an object invisible, I think. Right. I think. Because <laughs> a part of the idea is, right, electricity and magnets have something to do with each other. You can get electricity from magnets, and using electricity, you can create electromagnetism. But they say that gravity is also in there too, and and that's sort of something between zip zaps, mm. magnets. How do magnets work? <laughs> and uh, and gravity is how essentially UFOs fly, which is where we're going to get into the UFO bullshit. Later Mag on. Magnets work when your grandmother sends you a letter, and you have to put it on the fridge. <laughs> I've tried to send. I've tried to put other things on the fridge with magnets. They don't work. <laughs> magnets are weak. Yeah, I honestly think that we should have a universal stronger magnets movement. I agree. That I'm. I will start. My in my room. I do have to say, my parents didn't believe in modern medicine. My father has horrible arthritis, so he just had magnet outfits, and they didn't work. He just attached himself to a series of different things he didn't want to be attached to. See, I really so don't. He was just. He was just white trash Magneto. Yeah, basically, <laughs> just spoons flying his way and stuff. Yeah, I don't get why people will reject modern medicine, but will think that magnets can cure them. <laughs> I have no idea. Magnets, how do they work? <laughs> because it's that question all the time. Yeah. Well, actually, we don't have a very good understanding of how magnets work, strangely so enough. So ICP was not far off. No, hmm. not at all. Modern day philosophy. Modern day philosophy. Now, as far as the military application of the unified field theory, the U.S. was right in the middle of World War II at the time of the Philadelphia experiment, fighting it on two fronts, mm. so the possibility of making objects invisible, particularly ships, would have piqued our interest quite a bit, and mm -hmm. FDR decided that the Navy would be the ones to make the best use of invisibility technology. All right. Also, the soldiers of the Navy are called seamen, and that makes them the horniest of all the branches of the Navy, who are the types of people who want to be invisible the most. I toured a, I tour, a, toured a, uh, a, a naval vessel in San Francisco before we did that great show with the Independent, and oh my goodness, they are crammed into those corners, almost impossible to avoid any kind of sexual contact. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty intense stuff. They're frottage tubes. Yeah. That's all a submarine is. A lot of a lot of not telling, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so in World War II, at this time, the US was sending both troop and supply convoys off the East Coast 
over to the Western Front, and those convoys needed escorts to escape the nefarious Nazi U-boats. Mm. Because these bo- U-boats were badass. Oh, U-boats were amazing. I mean, really, the only reason why we were able to defeat the U-boats is because we were able to break their codes. The Enigma Code, as it was. Ooh. Native Americans did it, which is why I'm thankful we kept some. Actually, no, Native Americans were code talkers. They were uh, in the battles during World War II, and it was because of them that the Germans couldn't break our codes. It was actually more like guys like uh, Alan Turing who helped to break the Enigma Code. All right. It was What's his name? The movie Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah, Ben Affleck. Is that in that? <laughs> and then I remember Wind Talkers was John was John Woo. <laughs> yes. Very bad film. So most of the time, these escorts were Navy destroyers, but they were having a hell of a time with the Nazi submarines as well. And so it was decided that the best way to use the invisibility tech, at least to begin with, was on those Navy destroyer escorts. Hmm. But while it was simple enough to transport inorganic material, organic material, like people, might be adversely affected. And so the Navy began its experimentation on farm animals. Oh, my goodness. Now, they didn't specify what kind of farm animals they used, but I would imagine, making a speculation here, that they used pigs as the flesh of a pig is the closest to that of the flesh of a human. It's also the funniest to put them in little uniforms yeah. with little hats on. I know. I hope they don't use any of the talking farm animals because yeah, that babe. would be inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah, babe, just put, he put him through the machine and then he shows up just inside of James Cromwell oh, after they what? use it. <laughs> oh, let him out of there. No. You did good. Good pig. You did good. Great pig. Kill me. <laughs> Uh, on the first run, the ship disappeared and reappeared, marking success. But when they checked on the hogs, they found that some of the animals were covered in radiation burn marks, while oh. others had disappeared completely. Oh, I thought this is where they invented bacon. <laughs> ah, never mind. <laughs> now, despite this, the Navy believed that they had a good enough handle on it to try it again with a skeleton crew of humans. Now, the first test was a minor success as the ship did not go completely invisible, but was rather just encased in a green fog. Hmm. Now, the men aboard complained of severe nausea, but were otherwise fine. The equipment, which seems to be made mostly of Tesla coils and big-ass magnets, was recalibrated and tried a few months later. Yeah, make it stronger. Because right now it just looks like it's covered in farts. Right. <laughs> Not it, good. It's like staying in a hotel room with Ed Larson. <laughs> mm-hmm, from the round table of gentlemen. Very fat, very big farts. <laughs> yes, we understand the size and the odor of Ed. Very big. We know. But on this second test, when the switch was flipped, the ship disappeared oh. in a flash of blue light and reappeared almost 400 miles away at a naval base in Norfolk, Virginia. That means that in the search for invisibility, the scientists had actually discovered teleportation. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not dissing on Norfolk, Virginia, but like teleport like anywhere in the world. <laughs> anywhere <laughs> else. Could have been <laughs> Vegas, Paris. Any place. Any cool place. Yeah. Any place. But they went to the to the land of the homes of the trees where gum was first invented. Mm, <laughs> I do love gum, though. Well, they didn't actually choose to go anywhere. It just so happened that they ended up outside of Norfolk, Virginia. They could have gone to the Bahamas. Oh. They could have been... Just willy-nilly teleporting. <laughs> you can't just do that shit. You just end up... God knows where you end up. In Jaja Gabor's house. She's <laughs> slapping everyone. R.I.P. 
think we'll find out where they end up. Yeah, Zsa she was the best. Well, they didn't even know they were going to teleport. They were just trying to do invisibility. The teleportation was just a side effect. Oh, no It's kidding. like having fun stomping on a bunch of tomatoes, but you accidentally invent ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after a few minutes of floating outside Norfolk, the Eldridge returned to the exact spot it had left in Philadelphia, but this breakthrough did not come without a cost. Mm. At the lowest level, crew members got violently ill. Others had disappeared completely, like the hogs. Some developed schizophrenia. Five unlucky crew members were found fused to the ship. Like, their actual bodies were a part of the ship. There was one guy who was actually halfway in and halfway out of a bulkhead just screaming. (laughs) So this is sort of... Yeah. Do I still got a dick? <laughs> uh, let me take... That's in the ship. Oh, kill me, kill me. <laughs> we better keep him alive for a few more years. See where this goes. Sort of a Harrison Ford situation. Harrison for- Ford. Star Wars. Doesn't he get what? stuck in some... He doesn't get... He gets encased in carbonite. It's He's the same thing. It's it. absolutely not the no, same not thing the at all. Same it's, thing? Actually, it's completely different. Cancel it. <laughs> Cancel completely it. completely different. It is... They got fused because the idea is that on their ship, they said it was like... And then everything became clear. And so all these dudes were... They said that they were stumbling around all drunk and like laughing and like... And then they would walk up to stuff where the 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 sh- like the ship became like permeable, and they would stick their hands in it, and then all of a sudden they're back in Philly, screaming. Wild, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, not it's the strangest fake. thing that happened in Philadelphia that day either. I mean, <laughs> Philly's a strange town. So some got violently ill, some disappeared, some developed schizophrenia, some were fused to the ship, but others were assigned to a fate worse than death, which we will reveal later. When we get to our friend, Carlos Allende. I don't know. I feel like being fused to a ship might be worse than death. No. But we'll but, get to it. No. Well, what? they died because they were fused to the ship. Oh, I <laughs> yeah, see. They I died they... eventually. They oh, screamed they a lot. They died of screaming. Oh, I see. Okay. Now, those who developed schizophrenia were committed to asylums and were reported to their families as MIA, lost at sea. I mean, this is World War II. Guys go missing all the time. The ship's being destroyed left and right. Mm -hmm. While those on the ship who just got violently ill were brainwashed to erase their memories. And the whole thing was covered up and discontinued. Now, the reason why we know all of this, or at least know the story, is because a man named Carl Allen, a.k.a. Carlos Allende... Wrote a series of letters to a UFO author by the name of Dr. Morris Jessup. Dr. Morris Ketchup Jessup. (laughs) Ketchum. Ketchum. (laughs) I like it, Ketchup. I like it, Ketchup. Also, not legally a doctor. No. But he would call himself a doctor, but he would never sign the, the he would never sign any document with doctor because he never finished medical school. Oh, you can call yourself a doctor all you want. Dr. Benjamin Kissel. That sounds really accurate. (laughs) That's good. Gee, your name is Dr. Benjamin Kissel. Thank God you showed up for this unofficial mammogram appointment. Let's (laughs) feel them bags for some lumps. Are you buying this? Just all the guys are like, we don't, uh, we're fine. Let me touch them. (laughs) Come over here, boys. Line up, men. Now you can stream the live TV you love for just 40 bucks a month with Sling TV. Get your favorite channels and shows for the best price. 
If you want live sports, Sling has all the football playoffs and pro and college basketball. Stay up to date with breaking news from around the world with MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. Sling also has reality, TV, popular entertainment, kid shows, and more. Sling costs almost half as much as other live TV providers, so you can watch more and pay less. Sling is easy. Sign up in minutes, stream at home or on the go on up to three devices, and record up to 50 hours with included DVR space. Get flexible channel lineups that put you in control. Pause, change, or cancel your service at any time. You'll never get locked into a long-term contract. Check out Sling.com for special offers. Sling, the live TV you love for a price you love. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace! With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what's new. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year, and that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothes, what we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into giraffe rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses, take pictures of the horses, Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse, ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. Hey. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape design, and how best to take care of your plants. I love Fast Growing Trees because I just moved here to Los Angeles. I got a yard now, and I'm doing all the landscaping myself. I love working in my garden. I love planting stuff. I love growing stuff. And the cool thing about fast growing trees that I really like is that they tell you exactly what type of growing zone you're in. I'm in growing zone 10 and they can tell you exactly what type of trees 
or plants or whatever you can put out in front of your house. Uh, I'm looking at the Norfolk Island pine tree. I'm looking at putting a little bit of red sister cordyline up in front of my fence. I think that'll the red will really pop nice. And maybe for the backyard, I got an extra planter that I might put a pl- Satsuma plum tree in. And these prices are reasonable. They're reasonable if you've ever been to a nursery. But right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Now, Morris... Ketchum Jessup Mm. started off his career as a doctoral student at the University of Michigan, where his research led to the discovery of a fair number of physical double stars. This guy was actually an academic. Hmm. Do we know if that's true? Yes, that is true. Excellent. Yeah, he, this guy, he was an actual academic. He was well-respected in the scientific community. He eventually took work with the U.S. Depart- Department of Agriculture and traveled to the Amazon to study crude rubber. Ooh. Question. Astrophysics disease, de- degree. Astrophysics degree. Why they sending him on a rubber mission? It was the Depression. He took whatever work he could get. Yes. Yeah. So there he visited Mayan ruins and decided that those ruins could only have been built with the help of skyships. And Fuck yeah. Yeah, and this proclamation made him one of the earliest modern scientists to subscribe to the ancient aliens theory almost two decades before Eric Von Daniken wrote Chariots of the Gods? Question mark? I like to ha- I like when books have a question mark in the title <laughs> yeah. because then it makes you think. <laughs> it's like before you even read it, you're already thinking. You're yeah. already thinking. Yeah. You know, the sad thing is with these people thinking that aliens built the Mayan temples and the pyramids, it's just, we've talked about it before, I just feel bad for all the slaves who worked their ass off to build that stuff, and then there's just revisionist history being like, it was too good for men to make, it must have been aliens. Well, hundreds of thousands and millions of individuals died making them. I spent 20 years carving toes into stone. Do you have any fucking clue how difficult it is to put toenails into fucking marble? Aliens? Fucking bail me out, aliens. Are you an alien? Yeah. yeah All right, so we're in the Mayan ruins. We're in the Mayan ruins, and Dr. Jessup, like I said, he was a well-respected guy in the scientific community, But when he started talking about all this ancient alien shit, all the rest of the scientists thought it was absolutely ridiculous because this was the late 50s. The whole flying saucer craze was huge then, and of course none of the scientists actually took it seriously. Slander. Libel. (laughs) Makes me upset. He's just questioning shit. The book is terrible. He wrote four <laughs> books about UFOs, and they're fucking garbage. Yeah, we'll you, can just, you can just see the, uh, the the chairs leaving the lunchroom table after the nerd starts picking his nose or something <laughs> like that. They want nothing to do with him. I mean, they're okay books. They're just very early in the UFO craze. You know, they were still right. trying to figure out what this UFO thing was. Uh, and I would say, to Jessup's credit, he was writing this stuff because he was truly interested in it. He actually yeah, yeah. thought that there was something to the stuff. He was an actual man of science. Uh, an actual man of science. And I think it actually showed quite a bit of courage on his part to go out on a limb to look at the possibility that maybe UFOs, there was actually something to this whole phenomenon. Absolutely. 
And one of the coolest things I think about the Philadelphia experiment story as a whole is how much early UFO shit is brought up. Like the first time we're seeing ancient alien stuff, where the first time we're going to see a guy that acts as if he is in the above top secret like member forums. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. It's like all of the tropes for alien guys come out of this story. Hmm. Yeah, this is like the proto UFO tale. This is like uh, the Sonics. But even though Jessup's beliefs were ostracizing him from the scientific community, he still continued his work and published a book in 1955 called The Case for the UFO. This book focused on the propulsion systems of said theoretical ships, along with various historical accounts of possible UFO and alien encounters. It's well-worn territory and it's very dry, but it's cool that it's the first one. Yeah. And it actually sold fairly well, which sent Jessup on a lecture tour where he started talking about Einstein's unified field theory in relation to his UFO propulsion claims. Because his whole thing was that humans were focusing too much on rockets to get us into space when really we should be looking at other means, namely electromagnetism. What I did like about his his stance, too, is that he called rockets bully science because he said that we were bully using old school rockets as bullying our way to space, which is the nerdiest, saddest yeah. thing. So this was the 1950s. He was on this, this uh, tour. 1955. I mean, Werner von Braun was hard at work trying to get us to the moon, trying right. to make everyone forget that he was a Nazi, just not a scant decade earlier. Sure. So this is do you think that people invented marijuana or well, not really invented it but brought it back into common use in the 60s because they went to one of these lectures and they're like it's interesting but it would be a hell of a lot more interesting with a huge doobie yes let's yes. do it jazz cigarettes that's when jazz because that's all but when people are like you don't have to write songs about driving cars or being with your girl all you got to do is nice it's like it's just it's I talk. Jazz is like when a band plays underwater. It's really fun. Wait, what does that mean? I, I just feel like it's good underwater music. You're just imagining the Little Mermaid. It might be. Now, this old view that Jessup had that electromagnetism was better than rockets for space travel caught the attention of a man who called himself Carlos Allende. Allende started writing letters to Jessup about those alternative means of space propulsion and eventually revealed that he was present at a secret government invisibility test in 1943 that used the unified field theory, i.e. the Philadelphia experiment. Now these letters, oh, there's something else. (laughs) (laughs) Difficult to read. I can believe that. Words are capitalized or underlined for no particular reason. The punctuation is all out of whack, and the syntax is an absolute nightmare to try to understand. Henry, why don't you just read the first paragraph of the first letter that Allende sent to Morris Jessup? C. My dear Dr. Jessup. Your invocation to the public that they move en masse upon their representatives and have thusly enough pressure placed at the right and sufficient number of places where from a law demanding research into Dr. Albert Eisenstein's completely spelled wrong. (laughs) Unified field theory may be enacted 1925 to 1927 is not at all necessary. It may interest you to know that the good doctor was not so much influenced in his retraction of that work by mathematics as he most assuredly was by humanities. Ay, ay, ay. 
Carlos Allende. Hey, all right. Well, that's kind of a fun letter. <laughs> See, it sounds it makes good. No sense. Yeah, but it so, sounds when you read when you read it in that voice, like you're like, oh yeah, okay. I like, can believe that, it. That, that makes sense. See? But that's but, why you choose the name Carlos Allende as your pen name. I don't you think sound he ended like it with very daring Spanish. Name. I don't think he ended it with I I I though. I think that was a that was a Henry Zabrowski interpretation, and we have to make that clear. Yeah, in reality, I mean, I'd imagine this guy. It, it's uh, it's more like. My dear Dr. Jessup, your invitation to the public that they move en masse upon their representatives and have thusly enough pressure placed at the right and sufficient number of places where from a law demanding research into Dr. Albert Einstein's unified field theory may be enacted 1925-1927 is not at all necessary. And? Aye, aye, aye. All right. Thank you very much, Marcus. Let's get it correct if we're going to do it. Well, I, I like Henry's version better. It's, it's more pleasant to the ear, I think. Yeah, it, well, it's much more pleasant to the ear. Like, That's he, what Carlos Allende was going for. We're <laughs> going to find out his name is fucking Carl. You don't change right. your name to Carlos if you don't want fucking some, some flair. Absolutely. So, Jessup, I mean, that's the funny thing is, so he is the, he's the uh, intellectual one in this entire conversation, and then it slowly gets dumber and dumber from there. Yeah. Okay. It's very sad. He is very sad. <laughs> so after a couple of back and forth, Allende expanded on his Philadelphia experiment claim, particularly what had happened to the surviving sailors following the teleportation, or at least what happened to the ones who didn't lose their minds. And one sad thing about the Allende letters to Jessup is that Jessup has been looking for any sort of support, right? The case for the UFO sold like moderately well. And so he had a follow-up book coming called UFO and UFOs in the Bible that he was starting to work on. And Everybody had abandoned him, and so he got these letters saying, like, I know what you're talking about. I'm into it. So he had one letter before this was essentially saying, like, you should think about more about, like, gravity and magnets. And he's like, sure, 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 from Allende. This follow-up letter is being like, finally, somebody – I'm like, I'm onto something. Somebody's, like, keyed into this and know something secret. And then the more letters he started to receive from Allende, it started to break his heart. That this is a crazy person. Yeah, yeah. cuckoo, huh? Yeah, because he had started to ask him for, well, do you do you have any proof? Uh, are you willing to take a lie detector test? And um, Allende is no. just like, <laughs> my words are too strong yeah. for a lie detector test. <laughs> Never in a thousand years you put the little doodads on me. How would it fit on my hairy chest? <laughs> Beautiful man. Well, oftentimes, a, uh, a, um, I guess an author or a performer, such as a podcaster, their fans are, ref- their fans are a reflection of them. And I have to say, <laughs> our fans in San Francisco were absolutely beautiful. It was completely insane, and we had a wonderful time. Thank you for coming out. Did you just find a roundabout way to call yourself beautiful? No. Yeah. No, I didn't do that. No, there was a couple of real tall ones in there, too. Some strange-looking geese. No, one man who survived the Philadelphia experiment was at dinner with his family one night. He got up from the table, walked through a wall, and vanished forever. You know, awesome. That's a dad's dream. <laughs> yeah, you got to let dad, you got to let your husband or father go. If they walk through a wall to get away from the family. You know wow. what, kids? I rarely say it, but it might have been something you did. I don't know. I, I don't know that. But I might question Do they have a book bit. for parents to their kids, or like for dads to their kids that say he might not, he just might not be into you, like one of those books? <laughs> they probably do, actually, and it's probably really sad. Uh, two more men disappeared into thin air without cause. They didn't walk through a wall. They just went and were gone. Huh. And another dematerialized in the middle of a bar fight. This is the article that Allende sent along with one of his letters. 
Several city police officers responded to a call to aid members of the Navy Shore Patrol in breaking up a tavern brawl near the U.S. Navy docks here last night got something of a surprise when they arrived on the scene to find the place empty of customers. According to a pair of very nervous waitresses, the Shore Patrol had arrived first and cleared the place out, but not before two of the sailors involved allegedly did a disappearing act. One of the frightened hostesses reported, They just sort of vanished into thin air. It was right there. And I ain't been drinking either. I mean, now I have because I'm talking to a reporter and I got nervous. But you're nice. You're nice. One reported witness succinctly summed up the affair by dismissing it as nothing more than, quote, a lot of hooey from them daffy dames down there. (laughs) Who he went on to say were just looking for some free publicity. Damage to the tavern was estimated to be in the vicinity of $600. All right, so these people can disappear at will, go through walls. No, it's not at will. It's not at will? No, no, it is So it just so happens that the bar tab came, (laughs) and they said, oh, look at, oh, I have to disappear, after they had multiple kegs of Budweiser. (laughs) They have a thing called turning, or being frozen. That's what they they call them. After the Philadelphia experiment, the guys that survived it would walk around and just randomly disappear and then come back and be like, I saw an alien, or be like, I experienced nothing. Literally come and like sound like the highest man who's ever been and like going up to somebody, be like, hey man, did I just turn invisible? <laughs> right. <laughs> like they went nuts or they, they would go into these periods where they'd be frozen in place. They said that was like one of the scariest things that they would just be sit there like stuck or they, because they called it going through the push. Which is really Ugh, fun. I don't know yeah. about all that. Yeah, they actually didn't know what was happening to these guys because some of them would go invisible. They couldn't move, speak, or interact with anybody else for the duration of it. But they mm. would still be conscious the entire time. Is this where they came up with that ridiculous thing on the internet, the mannequin thing? Where everyone, no one no, moves. That was marketing. That was marketing people getting oh, to see. everyone. Okay, well, they're frozen kind of too, though. Now, getting stuck, also known as the freeze, was known to crew members as Hell Incorporated. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I don't think it sounds so awesome. It sounds pretty terrible. Yeah. Now, these freezes could last from minutes to hours, and the only way to get a guy out of a freeze was if other men laid their hands upon him to give him strength. So, uh, sir, why, why are you getting aroused as we touch you right now? We're trying to unfreeze you. I can't answer. I'm frozen. <laughs> Do you need more men to touch you? And to, How are your pants off? Yep. <laughs> Bring more guys. <laughs> this is what Allende uh, wrote about that. If around or near the Philadelphia Navy Yard, you see a group of sailors in the act of putting their hands upon a fellow or upon, quote-unquote, thin air, observe the DJs and the appendages of the stricken man. If they seem to waver as those within a heat barrage, go quickly and put your hands upon him, for that man is the very most desperate of men in the world. Not one of those men ever wanted all to become again invisible. I do not think that not much more need to be said as to why man is not ready for force field work, eh? Very cool. And put him in a put him in a store window, you know? Have a little fun with him. Oh, quick, I'm turning him busy, Touch me, Penga. Oh, oh come Benica, sweet young man. Now, Touch me, Benga. I don't, uh, seems odd. I don't know where to find it. Can you? Oh, gentlemen, you seem like a man strong enough to give a sailor such as I support enough. Touch me, Benga. I don't, I, where, I, I, it's hard to find. Can you see me? No. Yes. <laughs> 
I am done. Okay. I have a yakulated. I yakulated. Very difficult to say with a capital S. Okay. What is that? Yakulated. All right. Very good. Uh, can you run into him? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Yeah, they're still solid. So you can run into an invisible person. You can run into an invisible person. Well, that's how they could lay hands on them because the oh, uh, I see. The problem is they're maybe not invisible. They may be teleporting. Yeah. Ah, so then can you teleport with them? No. Okay. No. Huh. And in fact, the laying of hands didn't always work. Sometimes it backfired. In one mm. instance, two guys tried laying their hands on a frozen boy, and he did unfreeze, but as soon as he materialized, he burst into flames and burned for 18 days straight. Oh, Ugh. my. That's a long time to be burning. And then he lived, though. They didn't say. I hope he didn't. No, <laughs> he that did is not a nightmare. live. He okay. did not live. They just said his body burned, which is kind of like, honestly, that's metal. Oh, that's his, a metal way to go. His body burned for 18 well, days. Well, they should have put yes. it out at some point, I think. But. See, I imagine him just sitting there like the human torch just yeah. on fire for 18 days, screaming and screaming. <laughs> a lot of screaming in the Philadelphia experiment. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now, from that point on, the laying of hands was no longer allowed, and the men would stay in the freeze for several months, a condition they called deep freeze. And during deep freeze, a man could only be seen by surviving crew members of the Eldridge. And Allende said the men called this either, as Henry said, caught in the push, okay. or stuck in the green. Hell yeah, dude. Fucking 420, man. <laughs> yeah. Neither of those sound like you're frozen in time. No, it just sounds like you're super high. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got stuck in the green many a time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and by the way, I mean, watch out for those edibles. If you're going to take an edible in California, read the label. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, did you take down that entire stick of weed chocolate? No, no, no. If I did it, uh, I would No, I did not. But it was, uh, that is, whoo. Did you have a fun time after the show in Los Angeles? LA, oh, it was great. Yeah, the fans yeah. were amazing. We had a great time. Then I just shook and shook and shook in my hotel shower until 11 a.m. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell so yeah. So that was a perfect Man, night. Legalize did, it. Did you, we're really figuring it out. Did you do heroin? No. <laughs> I met up with Nikki Six and uh, Sammy Hagar. <laughs> LA baby. Yeah. <laughs> Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Allende said that when people got stuck in the push, bad shit would happen. This is what he said. Usually a deep freeze man goes mad, stark, raving, gibbering, running mad. If his freeze is far more than a day in our time, an hour time. Philadelphia time, uh, three hours later, huh? Time's on joke. <laughs> yes, I'll get stuck in your green. If you, if you mean you dye your fucking bush hairs green. <laughs> I don't know about all that. <laughs> it was said that the first man to go in a deep freeze was stuck in it for six months, and the government spent $5 million worth of research and equipment to get the guy out. But once he got out, it was too late, and the man was irreparably insane. Government waste. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. <laughs> what? But, Ben, this man is a veteran. 
Thank you for your service. <laughs> Good flip flop. <laughs> now, Dr. Jessup, who by this point was desperately searching for anything to validate any of his claims, was naturally interested in what Allende had to say. But after a few letters, it was apparent that Allende was a bit of a nut job. And so the correspondence ended, and Jessup pretty much forgot about it for about a year until. Uh-oh. He was called in to the Office of Naval Research in Washington, D.C. as a UFO expert and was asked to look over a parcel that they had just received. Now, Henry, give right. us a, some background on these ONR guys. I do want to say this now, really quickly, though. It wasn't about Navy ships. It was about belly buttons. Okay, I'm done. What? The navels thing. <laughs> that is. I just oh, had, so we're I doing, belly we're doing joke. baby jokes? No, we're that's, doing not, jokes? that's not a baby joke. It's fun, though. If you think about a, a whole... I don't like the term navel when it means like a belly button. I don't like that term because it makes me like feel like it's all full of meat or something or like an <laughs> olive is in it. <laughs> well, I apologize. Just go on. Henry, do not enjoy kissing your woman's navel. Oh, good. Uh, nothing I like better than filling my my woman's navel <laughs> with my hot saliva. Oh, right. This is enough. Good Lord. I didn't know. It was, I was trying to make a cute joke about belly buttons. <laughs> That's me sucking on my I got lady's navel. We get, oh, understand what's happening. Would you not encourage Marcus? Okay, well, that's, that's good. That's the sound she makes. Can we, I, would, I never have said this before, but can we get back to the alien stuff and the, and the whatever the hell we're talking about, Philadelphia experiment? Henry, you were no. about to tell us about the Office of Naval Research. This is where it actually, for me, gets very cool. There was a guy named Sidney Sherby that worked for the, he was a, he was some admiral or something like that for the U.S. Navy. And so what he did was he was actively interested in the UFO stories. He had a, a, one of the guys that worked under him, a guy named Bill Ditch, who he said was like a top-notch guy, was seeing, at the time, what is described as Foo Fighters. He saw weird lights around his jet when he was flying around. And that's a little preview for our next episode. Yeah. (laughs) That's going to be sweet. Yeah. Um, He sent up the – so he wrote a report about it. It's like his buddy, the guy that he knows is like super fucking legit, said, I'm seeing this shit outside. Like like, I think that either it's some kind of Russian ship or there's something weird that we don't know. They go – through the actual pipeline. So at the time, Project Blue Book was around. So he's like, he went to Project Blue Book to be like, I, we're seeing all, we wrote up all the reports, like a 10 page report, and got nothing back. So he's like, we need to form our own independent research group it, within the ONR. Like, and we're just going to do it all and not tell anybody. Hmm. So they started like reaching around and talking to other officers about shit they've seen and started collecting all these sightings when all of a sudden this package shows up. At his uh, on his desk, Sidney Sherby's desk, and, and it was it said Happy Easter on it, and open it up, and it's this is where the Philadelphia experiment story kind of gets kicked into somehow into legitimacy. It's the ultimate story of because there's so many now people saying that this thing actually happened, that the Philadelphia experiment happened. And there's enough like th- this is the, what makes it legit. Mm-hmm. Or this is what gives it just the tiniest bit of credence. Is it just yes. because uh, Happy Easter? Happy Easter. Happy. And then, so that makes it real. (laughs) But their story is really cool. The the idea of like these guys doing an independent UFO investigation within the Navy. I fucking, I I did. Well, what's in the box? What's in the box? (laughs) What's in the box? Well, these guys are, they were like the X-Files in the 1950s. That's right. essentially who these guys were. It's Division X yeah. from The Invisibles. Totally. Oh, okay. Now, as far as what's in the box. Oh, what's in the box? When Jessup arrived at the ONR, he found... What was in the box? What's in the box? Was a heavily annotated copy of his book, The Case for the UFO. 
Now, we know this package came from Texas, but there is some debate where in the state it came from. Some say it came from Gainesville, which is north of Dallas in East Texas. Others say it came from Seminole, which is some 400 miles away near the New Mexico border Mm. in Gainesville County. What I can say about Seminole is that it's just a few miles away from Hobbs, New Mexico, which in this day and age is strong meth country. Oh. <laughs> also, well, that's Sim- good. It's nice they have something to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, Seminole is just a couple hours drive from Roswell. Oh. Maybe. Ooh, also, not so which is also now meth country. It's pretty much most of New Mexico, especially like. Southwestern, southeastern New Mexico is very meth heavy. Don't even get me Farmington woo, or Clovis. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There's not a lot to do there, I guess. So Clovis that- just sounds like a man who's having sex with his Labrador, but stills like fucking sending you, selling you hot dogs. <laughs> I don't like it. Well, Clovis is actually where they found uh, the earliest known settlement of man in North America. Oh, look at that! Oh. Right there in Clovis. Huh? <laughs> Isn't that nice? So the annotations inside the copy of the case for the UFO that was sent to the Office of Naval Research seem to be correspondence between three different people with each annotation written in a different color ink to correspond with the correspondent. Ooh, that's kind of fun. Yeah, it's super fun. Remember those ink pens where you had five different inks in one pen? <laughs> I do. That was the only that's the only happy memory I have of childhood. Yeah. And then one time <laughs> I got a huge pencil and I brought it to school and everyone said, It looks normal in your hand. We had a good laugh over that. Meanwhile, you're just loading a gun, loading a gun, but it's just like, give me a reason not to shoot. Give me a reason. And then you discovered basketball. <laughs> and then I just looked down and I saw my huge pencil and I laughed and laughed. Now, the only correspondent given a name in the annotations was Jimmy, while the other two were named Mr. A and Mr. B by the ONR. Now, se- if, you are, if you are into esoteric writings, this is a fun-ass book to read. Look up the Vero edition, V-A-R-O edition of the case of the UFO. There's PDFs online. It is one of the first examples of crazy UFO writing. And it's, it's so much fun. Like, cause it's got characters all over it. It's aliens talking from an alien's perspective. Yeah. It's proto Bibliotheca Pleiades. <laughs> like all the weird alien uh, language mm-hmm. uh, that you hear spoken out there, like at least like the crazy alien language, it's not new to the internet. This shit, like people right. have been ranting about this this shit in writing for decades now. Now, it seemed as if this edition of the case of the UFOs that was annotated in three different colors of ink seems that these three people that were writing to each other were extraterrestrials, or at the very least, had enough knowledge about mm-hmm. extraterrestrials to be casual about the whole thing. This is an excerpt. Wow. I should have enjoyed seeing Lima's chief trin trying to maneuver the first craft before directional field induction was discovered. That, to me, is classic tale of howlingly good humor. <laughs> Do you remember when we milked that black man? I can't believe that he was married to a white woman. Yeah, Betty and Barney Hill, huh? Did you also invent the five-ink pen? Ink? Oh, you're talking about, or is that the thing that humans make that comes out of their front tubes? I don't think so. Because that black man made quite a bit of white ink, if you know what I'm saying. Thank you. There's also what appears to be an alien language used in these writings. Here's an example of that. Yechem tai dal sendik nibidi 
Tahuana Fan Kai okay? All right, well, the floor is broken up here in the studio, and it seems to be, uh, this hell is upon us. <laughs> Thank you for uttering those words, Marcus. That would be you just more. sound like a rabbi with a brain injury. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I were to open up hell, it would be more like, Yacham Tai Budar Shendik Nebedai Te Hawanai Fan Kai Togimi. Okay? Huh. Well, yeah, <laughs> Satan is in the room now, and he's looking at us. He says, oh, nope, already got them, and he just went back down to hell, so isn't that interesting? Now, there's even a bit of a blue joke included in these annotations. When Jessup wrote the sentence, these reports include a thunderbolt that disrupted the bridal chamber of Francois Montmorency and Diane de France, one of the correspondents responded with, Heh. Chuckle lost his quote unquote erection. <laughs> they're very pleased with themselves throughout this. Well, they're having they a lot are. of fun. They're they're good time alien friends. But even though the whole damn thing was pretty goofy, the ONR, just like Jessup, was desperate for any source material and still called in Jessup to review the book they had just received. And Jessup took one look at the handwriting and immediately recognized the capitalization, misspellings, oh. and the handwriting of his old correspondence buddy, Carlos Allende. He also recognized written in the margins in reference to nothing in the book, a familiar claim. I am not averse to saying that a force field can make a man to fly, for I have seen it done. And I know the cause of this flight, and am not disturbed the Paris Exhibition, 1951. Scientist from Paris University. It's all misspelled. <laughs> Honestly, it's all. this is directly written from the fucking Vero edition, and it is very difficult to, to speak about. An APPHOT was sent to U.S. showing this action. U.S. Navy's force field experiments, 1943 October, produced invisibility of crew and ship. Fearsome results, so terrifying as to, fortunately, halt further research. I think that's better than having aliens write it. I like this Carlos <laughs> guy. I think he's a, he would be a fun time to hang out with. However, Jessup did think that the other notes written by Allende were intriguing, particularly the ones about propulsion, and so he continued his work in the UFO field and gave more credence to the Philadelphia story. Because there is some cool shit written oh. in these annotations, uh, because Carlos was actually, as we'll find, is actually a fairly brilliant human being, uh, if a fairly pathetic human being. Oh. Mentally ill. Mentally they ill. They would say... Yes, it seemed like he was a, a bit on the spectrum as well. Uh, yeah, a little bit, but also uh, a fair amount of schizophrenia, most likely. Now, unfortunately, the only other lead Jessup got was a story from a couple of crewmen uh, in which they said a homeless man had approached him and had yelled about an experiment in which most of the crew died or suffered horrible side effects. Well, you got to believe him. And if I hear a good uh, story from someone who currently is without a home, mm -hmm. uh, I will give them money. I respect a great tale. I like a good story as well. Yes. I, I mean, just don't come to me with you need some money to go to your mother's funeral. Oh, my God. That guy, That there's one guy on the G train, not to get too inside baseball, but his mother must be dead for a year and a half, <laughs> and he still hasn't gone to the funeral. I guess it's a long one. I'm not sure. It's a long funeral. It's a long funeral. Anyway, he doesn't get my money. Well, because Jessup was out of leads by 1951, he was in at the end of his row, both professionally and personally. He'd gone through a messy divorce. He'd gotten into two serious car accidents, and he had lost the respect of most, if not all, of his peers due to his UFO beliefs. On April 20th, 1959, 
Jessup made plans to meet for dinner with a friend of his, a Dr. J. Manson Valentine. Ooh. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, his first name is Jerky. So <laughs> then he changes to the J because the rest was cool. Jerky Valentine. <laughs> Sounds like a hell of a baseball player. This is J. Madsen Valentine on the Midnight Hour. Ooh. Coming up, we're going to get a little blue. Here's Miles Davis on KCWW. Stay uh, tuned. Long-time listener, first-time caller, uh, Jerky Valentine. It's 3 p.m. It always is 3 p.m. when you're on the air, and you pretend like it's midnight. Uh, are you okay? Don't know what you're talking about. It's the midnight hour on WCWW. We're going to get kind of blue. Here's John Coltrane. Huge pile up on I-94. All the drivers have fallen asleep. <laughs> So Jay Manson Valentine was supposed to meet up with Jessup on 420 for dinner, but instead of dinner, Jessup drove to a park, ran a tube from his exhaust pipe into his car window, and let the gas take him. Oh, just better meet my, my coolest friend in the world, Mr. Valentine, and <laughs> oh man, did I forget to DVR. Cheers. Oh my oh, goodness. Was Sam and Diane going to get, everyone's going to be talking about it. I may as well just fucking end it. Oh, no. So Jessup kills himself, huh? He kills himself. Or did he? <laughs> I don't. Well, it seems like he is currently dead. Or did dead. he? Or I, did well, he? we can get to that, I guess. Well, some believe that Jessup, who was continuing his work and was in regular conversation with J. Manson Valentine about the Philadelphia experiment, was suicided by the U.S. government to keep their secret safe. Sided. No, unfortunately, he definitely committed suicide himself. Yeah. He chose to do that. I actually have a breakdown at the end from the Philadelphia Experiment by Bill Moore. The end of his life. So, the, 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 just to read for a second, so you can. So, <laughs> it's very sad. So, after all of this went down, everything cooled off, right? He got called in to be the UFO expert by the Navy. They they went over for like three weeks, and eventually they're like. This is horseshit. And he's just right. like, no, no, it's not horseshit. And they're like, get out of here. And so Jessup left because they were like, we'll do our own thing. This is like fucking up our actual investigation of UFOs. So thank you, but no thank you. And so he goes off. He tries to become an expert in Mexico of the Mayan ruins, but they won't let him do it. Like he went to go like be a part of it. So Jessup. After the collapse of his hopes for exploring the Mexican crater, had by 1958, it seems, all but given up his professorial duties and attempt to make a living through writing and publishing. Although not immediately successful in this pursuit, he apparently felt free enough to continue trying for a while, even if it meant living on a somewhat reduced income, since his children were all gone and had moved away and his wife had left him. Accordingly, after seeing to it that the large house he owned outside of Miami was closed, he moved back to his native Indiana, where he set himself up as an editor of a small astrological publication. Here, he continued to try to pursue his writing career while at the same time becoming more and more interested in psychic phenomena. And so finally, he left up. He, in fact, one of his psychic friends who accepted a dinner invitation from him in early 1958 during one of Jessup's visits to Ann Arbor is said to have commented on how shocked she was at the change in his vibrations. They had, she read rather quaintly observed, taking on a sort of astral B.O. <laughs> and then he so kind, of, he kind of died smelly, I guess. <laughs> and then he killed himself and then asked them, apparently in his suicide note, he said, uh, please uh, get a seance together and try to reach me from the other side, but do it on radio so that we can prove that there is life after death. And yeah. uh, 
Never got that together. Didn't work out. It seems out, like huh? the psychic community is flaky. <laughs> a little bit. Something tells me that might be true. The only way to achieve life after death is through music and podcasts. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we were to die tomorrow, there would be hundreds. Uh, well, at least until the uh, you know the infrastructure collapses and yeah. the whole internet goes down, and then it's uh, just nothing. And then it's extra creepy because you're listening to dead people talk. <laughs> Well, whether Jessup committed suicide or was suicided, he would not be alive to meet with the second witness to the Philadelphia experiment, Al Bielek. Now, Al Bielek came forward in the 80s after seeing the movie The Philadelphia Experiment, which was loosely based on the event. Henry, did you ever get around to watching this? It's very cheesy. I just saw the trailer for it. I do have to eventually watch it, but it's cheesy and it's fun. It's a really fun sci-fi movie. Uh... But Al Bielek saw this movie and went, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like he had this like wake up and he realizes that, oh, man, I did that shit. Mm-hmm. Now, right. Now, Bielek is actually better known in conspiracy circles for his role in the Montauk Project, Ooh. which we will definitely be covering in an upcoming episode and is also what Stranger Things was based on. No kidding. Yeah. Hmm. Bielek said he and his brother Duncan were taught by Dr. Von Neumann, the Dr. Strangelove guy. The guy himself. The guy. Super important scientist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Taught these guys. I mean, this guy, Von Neumann, I mean, he was, uh, he's the guy that came up with, one of the guys that came up with game theory, uh, the theory of mutually assured destruction. Uh, He's got, I think, four different degrees. Like, Von Neumann was a a true super scientist. And supposedly, he taught Al Bielek how gravity, time, and quantum physics really worked. Ooh. Not all this fake shit, <laughs> yeah. how it really was. Okay. Now, at this time, Bielek also met Einstein and Tesla, who he says were also heavily involved in the Philadelphia experiment. Just slamming pussy yeah. together. <laughs> now, Having a great time. Well, no, just, Tesla did die a virgin. He just called them? Is that the deal? <laughs> He just called. What do you mean, called him? How up? did he get a hold of these guys? No, uh, he. Around. Well, there was a whole. Th- there's a whole story with how Bielik got involved in oh, okay. uh, the government. Uh, but but he was one of those guys that uh, would tell stories like my first memory was when I was nine months old when I heard my parents having conversation as I was sitting at a piano and I understood every word. Oh, like Stewie <laughs> from Family Guy. <laughs> Stewie from Family Guy. He's also very similar to Phil Schneider. It's yeah. like that story too, where he's. A weird outlier guy that made his whole name being a his whole life purpose is now being a professional witness. Sure. Yeah, and be actually Bielik and uh, Schneider were friends. Oh, okay, yeah, interesting. So here's where it gets. This is going to get a little murky here, but I'm going to need you to come along with. Me. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, it's been so clear and precise thus far. <laughs> I can deal with a little murky talk. <laughs> so Bielik and his brother Duncan were on the USS Eldridge when it teleported, but. Before the Elders went back to Philly, Duncan jumped off the ship and traveled to 1983 where he lost his time lock Mm. and aged one year for every hour and eventually died. But thankfully, the time engineers at the Montauk Project traveled back to 1950 to convince Duncan's dad to father another child, which he did. And the time engineers were able to transport Duncan's soul into the new child, although nothing is said about what happened to the soul that was already in said child. Kick to the curb. <laughs> I guess so. And what made this Thank dump- God for them Montauk boys. Yeah. I mean, this is just a dumpy dude. Just a dumpy normal Al guy. Al Yeah. Uh, well, maybe not. Probably a dumpy Kissel. guy. I'm going to assume he's Kissel. a dumpy dude. How shameful. I'm not. This man. 
teleported for the U.S. government. Yeah, but <laughs> you're gonna say he's shameful because I was I was watching a whole interview with him, an hour and thirty eight minute long interview with him, where he says that they they jumped off the ship, and he's like, and we kept flying and flying and flying. I guess you call it flying. It's more like sideways falling. We're flying and flying and flying and flying. Next thing you know, me and my sweet, sweet brother Duncan, close as all hell, love my brother Duncan, ended up in a hospital room. First thing I didn't notice that the problem was all the TVs were flat. They showed me, and I was just like, give me a map. Give me a map. They gave me a map, and I found out San Diego had been completely destroyed. Basically, he said that he jumped into an alternative timeline. Oh, I see. Where there was all of these disasters, and now it's up to him and the information, and him and the Montauk boys. They're the only ones that can save planet Earth from the, the alternate future where San Diego is destroyed. Mm-hmm. Well, then I want to thank him for his service, and I, and I think that's <laughs> wonderful what he did to save San Diego, yeah. one, of the best, one of the best cities in America. Yeah, and they've also got these fun little ancillary stories stories where like for example they said that they had brought Bigfoot from a different dimension into our dimension Leave him alone. into right in the middle of their uh, science lab and oh boy did Bigfoot cause a whole bunch of havoc and they had a heck of a time getting him under control I'm sure they did leave Bigfoot alone it's like Bill and Ted if Bill and Ted were old white racists <laughs> <laughs> so anyway be like sorry like Pretty much every other story in the Philadelphia experiment has been disproven uh, by multiple sources, multiple different ways. This is among the most easily disproven conspiracy theories we've ever talked about, which brings us back to Carlos Allende, real name, Carl Allen. Unfortunately, my real name is Carl, so um, you can see why I adapted the Espanol character. I am a little bit interested, though. Why did you go with Carlos? Anything, anything to not be me, you know? (laughs) Just by hearing you, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Carlos Allende, I think, is, I mean, as far as aliases go, it's pretty fun. It's a great you name. Have to be, it's a great name. You have to be incredibly ballsy to go Spanish with your pen name. Yeah. But, I mean, it would be like if I win as, like, Marcos Parquez. Ooh, yeah, that could be your <laughs> luchador name. Benjamin Kissel. <laughs> now, nah, that doesn't work. Kissel does not work in the Spanish language. Kisselo. Kisselo is kind of fun. <laughs> Sounds like a candy. I don't know. It's, it seems like whole Spanish races got very used to saying German names. <laughs> I don't think so. Where does your grandmother live again? All right, leave it alone, <laughs> you scumbags. Good Lord. No, in the, su- <laughs> so in the summer of 1969, a man named Carl Allen showed up at yeah, the not- Aerial Phenomena Research Organization in Tucson, Arizona, and said he was, in fact, Carlos Allende. Furthermore, he told them he'd made the whole damn thing up. But after the book The Philadelphia Experiment Project Invisibility came out, Carl reversed that confession about as fast as he could. (laughs) And the UFO community was more than happy to accept that, as by the late 60s, the annotated copy of the case for UFOs had been published in what was called the Vero edition and was firmly a part of UFO lore. Basically, what he said outright was that all of these people were making money on my fake name, Carlos Allende, Mm -hmm. and I'm not. Mm -hmm. I want to make money in this, so he's going to come out and be like, I am Carlos Allende, throw his circle hat down, take off his sash, 
and just be Carl. It's America. He's allowed to do that. I mean, there is some real intelligent people researching UFOs and things like <laughs> that. Fuck you. Do, do these stories just take away from what they're actually working on? Because, you know, what's the name of the film? Yes. Yeah. So this is yeah. all. I mean, th this is the type of shit that takes away from guys like our favorite, Stanton Friedman. Or even guys like me. <laughs> I don't know, Henry. You just it's get stoned on your roof and stare at the sky. We do. We are concerned that you are going crazy. Hey, I'm just getting closer to the fucking truth, right? <laughs> and that's the problem. Every inch I get closer to the truth, I get farther away from everyone else. <laughs> that's going to lead to a good future. So the uh, Carlos Allende story, uh, it was pretty well accepted in the UFO community for about 10 years. But in the late 70s, a UFO researcher named Robert Gorman started digging into the Allende story. Now, Gorman is he is a true believer. He's the founder of the Non-Human Research Agency, which explores encounters with mysterious strangers, beings, creatures. But he also studies interspecific relationships oh. and also the most most mysterious creature of all the human woman <laughs> what it is that they want what it is that they do and where exactly is a vagina all right there's a great movie what women want that i think you should check out yeah, actually if you go to gorman's uh website he has a heading that says bedroom encounters uh, all right no one wants he to is hear that also very very handsome. <laughs> he looks like Martin Short from the movie Clifford if he was a man. I love that movie Clifford. <laughs> I love the movie Clifford too. Gorman's a family man though. We got we got to say he's got he's got a wife, he's got kids. We got to treat him with respect. We got he's he's a family man, but uh bedroom encounters that's uh the part he talks about sleep paralysis uh, or rather that the beings you see during quote unquote sleep paralysis are actually paranormal home invaders. Oh, I don't ghosts like that. Ghosts are just ghosts are just happen to be the thinnest burglar. <laughs> so in the late 70s, Gorman was a writer for the paranormal magazine Fate, working on a piece about the Philadelphia experiment as he and Carlos Allende, a.k.a. Carl Allen, had shared the same hometown. Oh. Now, by sheer coincidence, Carl Allen's parents turned out to be family friends who only revealed this to Gorman Reluctantly, after they found out he was working on a story about their son. So they just bonded it's over the fact that both of their sons are lunatics. <laughs> yes. yes. What a, yes. How, how sad it must be for both of those parents to get together and be like, so your son's still crazy? Yeah, how about your son? Yeah, still crazy. Um, no, Gorman's not crazy. He's he, not crazy? No, he's not. He's he's one of those guys, he's on like Unsolved Mysteries and Monster okay. Quest. Oh, and, then he's not crazy. He's on Monster <laughs> Quest. I didn't realize. No, he's not crazy. He's I'm not crazy. He's, no he's no crazier than Henry is henry's crazy <laughs> i just said that henry was crazy making a living <laughs> making a living probably a better this. living than this guy yeah well i mean the, the Car carl allen's parents were definitely not proud of their son i will say that though mm. I, yeah, they were very saddened by him also think about just the conflict between the spy versus spy of nerds happening in this small <laughs> town where robert gorman because in this interview i watched them it's a great documentary that before the history channel was a piece of shit they edited this thing called national mysteries that we did or historical mysteries history his, history's mysteries history's mysteries i'm yeah, sorry very fun. sad title not a good title. <laughs> i like that it's title. A, that's actually the best title out of all the ones that you that's a great title it rhymes yeah history's mystery that's kind of fun <laughs> were there even slaves <laughs> little history's mystery okay there were so 
That episode is beginning and done. Or is there a bigger secret answer? No, the 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 whole slave thing. You should actually just go into that. It's really quite atrocious throughout human history what we've done to others. But it just I love this cat and mouse game because he mm-hmm. basically said being like, I'm going to find Carl Allen. I know that I know this town and I'm going to find him and literally just him walking around harassing people. And so finally, his parents being like, we know him, Robert. We know him. He was always we, we just here you go. And then they showed up at Carl Allen's house and finally like, you want us fucking shit? And just handed him a box of sh- of stuff from their son. Be like, have it. Have all of it. So Robert Gorman got like the UFO experts like treasure trove just like thrown at him because they're like, fucking please get away from us. No, it wasn't like that. They were actually friends uh, that Gorman's son, Gorman's daughter had wandered off and uh, they were like, well, I guess I know where they are, where she is. They went down the street and she was playing with the Allen family. Well, that sounds strange. It sounds like she's covered in their blood and playing with their livers or something. (laughs) That's just where your mind went. Well, that's because we've done this show for so dang long. (laughs) My mind's all strange. (laughs) Darn it. Gosh, darn it. I don't, I don't, uh, whatever. Uh, Yeah, he did get this huge treasure trove of materials. There was a signed copy of the Vero edition of the case of UFO, uh, or the uh, case for the UFO. Uh, There was also all of Carl Allen's Navy papers, like his discharge papers. uh, Mm. And there was a number up in the uh, upper right corner uh, that was his, I think, like enlistment number or something like that. Uh, And Gorman was able to match that to one of the letters that Carl Allen had sent to Dr. Jessup, uh, and he knew that it was real, that all this was interconnected. We did skip over a lot of details in terms of how they verified everything, where it's like, you know, Jessup went looking for his naval, like, number. He had, like, a there was some kind of connection to it. He found pictures of him. He was on a neighboring uh, ship called, I believe, the Arturus Furrier, something like that. It's a horror The Andrew Furiseth was the ship that Carl Allen served on. The Andrew Furiseth? Yes. That does not seem like that's not a good name for a ship. I'm sure Andrew Furiseth was a wonderful man to have a ship named after him, but it doesn't really roll like the USS Lincoln or something, you know? But no. So in addition to all of the documents, uh, they also found articles about the Bermuda Triangle, letters and birthday cards to family members, and everything in there all had the same strange annotation that Alan had done in the UFO book. They said that's what Alan did with everything. Every single piece of paper that had writing on it uh, that he received, he would make these weird annotations in them. Hmm. But as Gorman dug deeper into the life of Carl Allen, he did not find a UFO visionary. Rather, he found that the life of Carl Allen was fairly pathetic in the words of his youngest brother, quote, he's a drifter. He's a drifter. <laughs> that you, The way you said it makes it sound nice. But normally that's not how it sounds. You don't describe a family member as a drifter being like, oh. So what's Greg doing? He's a drifter. He's drifting. <laughs> He's drifting like a bag in the wind. Drifting along. But he was also said to be brilliant. Uh, his brother said uh, that Carl had mastered several languages, could solve any math problem you put in front of him, and was, in the words of his brother, a master leg puller. Oh. Yeah. He said that once Carl posed as an antiques expert and brought a lady antique dealer to tears, but did not expand on how or why. Look, I came on your shoes. (laughs) Gorman also found a note that was enclosed with the annotated copy of the case for the UFO that read, Dear Dad and Mom, 
and closes a book I co-authored with Professor Morris K. Jessup of the University of Michigan nigh 24 years ago. Do not ever part with this book because its original price was $25. And so this book I helped to write alone by myself with no Mr. A or Mr. B. Can we hear it in Carlos Allende voice just to make a comparison here? Dear father and mother, enclosed in a book, I co-authored with Professor Morris K. Jessup, muy, muy big doctor of the University of Michigan, nigh 24 years ago. Do not ever part with this book, because its original price was a $25, a pittance. And so this book, I have to write alone, by my head, with no Mr. A or Mr. B. Anything else you want to close that out with? Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> See, now I want to buy that book. <laughs> I like that that Carlos character. That was a brilliant move on that guy's part. <laughs> so when UFO researcher Gorman released the article in Fate magazine about Carl Allen, pretty much exposing him as a fraud. Mm. Whole thing was a hoax. Uh, Allen responded with a fair amount of death threats. It's very sad. <laughs> But literally just being like, I'll kill, fucking kill you. Yeah. Yeah. But when Gorman finally met Alan, Gorman said it was about the most anticlimactic moment of his life. Said Alan was numb but nice. Oh. He, I guess he just decided nice he wasn't as angry as he wanted to be. That's like also, you just saw how impressive Robert Gorman was, <laughs> and he didn't want to fight him. Absolutely. <laughs> but since the Vero edition was to many ufologists an important artifact, the UFO community shunned Gorman after the publication of the article. And as far as the fate of the USS Eldridge went, it was given to Greece, was lost briefly due to a bureaucratic error, and was eventually (laughs) taken apart and sold for scrap metal in the 90s. Uh, So there's still people in there? Be like, it's very bizarre. There's a bunch of thumbs and eyeballs and inside of this thing. Uh, oh also, God. to be honest, the one thing that could be true out of this is that Carl Allen was actually on a ship, did happen to see a ship lined with a technology called degaussing, which was supposed to make, was supposed to render ships invisible to radar by putting electronic wiring all around it. Or it was just some weird thing they tried to do for a while where they put wires around it and they would run electricity trying to blow off pings, radar pings. Oh, yeah. And that Carl Allen saw that and just wrote, ran with it, ran the story and with for it. For all he, intents and purposes, we do have invisibility at this point anyway when it comes to our air uh, airplanes and, and naval vessels when it comes to them not being able to be picked up on radar and stuff. Yeah, so the ra- technology isn't that crazy. Yeah, actually. radar invisibility is not crazy at all. Uh, in fact, I mean, I'd go even a step further uh, from that is that some of the guys that were involved in uh, the degaussing experiment said that they'd talk in the local bar about this type of shit like all the time and they would say, yeah, we're making the ship invisible, mm. but they were just making the ship radar invisible. Very and cool. And so it's possible that Carl Allen took these conversations and just ran with them. And with mirrors- Also, I find a good way to make a ship invisible is that you just cover it with the plight of the American Romani. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> with the American... The pl- the American Romani are having a bad time. The plight of the American <laughs> Romani is I'm not incredibly sure what that is. ignored. Essentially invisible. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't fully understand it, but that's all right. I haven't understood a damn thing in this whole episode, so that's totally fine. This has with me. been a confusing one. Uh, this is the one to get dumb on. You just get dumber is. with this information. There's an entire book that I purchased for nineteen dollars. Nineteen dollars. It is two hundred and 
88 pages, including the index, which it has, which (laughs) is all fake. We have been waiting in murder and child death and horrible things for months now. Let us have something done. No, this is very nice. I loved every second of it. Um, Um, So this is our first one back. We won the fucking Webby. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. We did it. We took, we have the mandate. We've been talking about it on the last stream. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're go, we're running with it. We're making changes. People are heeding our call. And what, uh, what we got changes big are we do. making? Big changes. A hundred days from now. I want to mark a hundred days from now. We're going to see how many things we've done with our mandate. <laughs> Um, all right, everyone. Thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. Um, that has been totally life changing and wonderful. And Marcus, mm-hmm. you know the information on all that. Yeah, absolutely. If you uh, give just one dollar to our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Last Podcast on the left, you get advance tickets uh, to all of our live shows, or at least as many live shows as we possibly can. We just announced a new show. We are coming to Milwaukee in July, uh, and we're about to announce a whole bunch of others. Of course, next week we're going to be doing our Texas tour. We're going to Austin, Houston, and Dallas. Dallas is sold out, unfortunately, but there are still some tickets left for Austin and Houston, Uh, so be sure to jump on those as fast as you can. You can go to cavecomedyradio.com slash live to get all of the ticket links. And again, I want to thank everyone who came out to our uh, San Francisco shows. The Masonic Lodge was absolutely amazing. Los Angeles. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, Los Angeles. I think I said San Francisco before as well. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't yeah, I matter. just thought that you were just living in the past. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Well, thank the San Francisco crowd as well. Los Angeles for the Masonic Lodge. That was an unbelievable show, and people were so great. It really was. That was one of our. Uh, that was. That was one of our uh, favorite shows that yes. we've ever done, and one of our favorite venues. So thanks to everyone at the Masonic Lodge at Hollywood Forever Cemetery, uh, and we'll be coming back to LA here very soon. Great staff and great security. The security was the best. They were. We of course, we don't need them. Our fans are incredibly kind. Yeah, but still, great. though, it's nice. It's kind of funny. To I, honestly, it was cool as fuck. Thank you guys so much for coming out. That was one. Of, yeah, again, that was also one of my favorite shows of all time. We had so much fun. Yes. Ooh, and I want to thank a man who sent us some amazing. I think it's a man. Someone named Cuddy from Speakeasy Tattoo in Boone, North Carolina. Cuddy Beige. Uh, Cuddy Beige. They sent us these amazing Hell Yourself t-shirts. It says wow. Hell Yourself in metal writing, and it's got an awesome fucking goat on it. So I want to say uh, officially thank you uh, to Speakeasy Tattoo, Cuddy yes, Barge. Thank you so much. And it says, please come to North Carolina so I can hug you. And yes, indeed, we will be in North Carolina, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure, at some point, and we will hug you as well. Oh, and also, oh. Ant Apparel sent us a lot of really awesome t-shirts. I want to thank them. In fact, uh, that guy sent us two packages uh, with almost identical letters written along with them, but completely different t-shirts. I think he forgot that he sent the first one. Love it. So he sent two. Happy accidents. <laughs> I love it. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, check out last stream on the left on adultswim.com slash live slash streams. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. We got one coming out very soon. And then also this last week is the uh, season finale of Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell on Sunday on Adult Swim at 11.30. Check it out. We've got we've had a lot of viewers. I've had a lot of positive feedback. It's, it's, it's so fucking cool. Hail Satan. It means so much that you support us. It's dope. It's so fucking cool. Yeah, that show is doing great. And uh, keep on supporting all the shows here on CCR. Last podcast on the left, which is the one you're listening to. Uh, Abelgan's Top Hat for everything political. You can go to BK4BK.com. I got my platform up there, which is really exciting. Woo. And then, Henry, you're officially on the endorsement list, by 
by the way, so you have to make a video for me. <laughs> it's going to go great. Uh, we're going to get some sex workers on our uh, to, to advocate for us. Wait, am like I that. on it? Not yet. You haven't officially endorsed. Cool. Um, so, uh, and I am waiting to endorse. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, You're going to have to, until you, I know, I until will you, you. you got to woo me and you've got to retract the statement that Cave Comedy Radio is going to be the official mouthpiece of uh, the BK for BK. Well, we might yeah. not have your endorsement, but that's okay. Maybe not. I'm playing hardball here. We got a hardball player. That's fine. You got to woo I mean, him. I know. I'll woo him. I'll woo him. Um, round table of gentlemen, page seven, sex and other human activities, just uh, um, a movie signs with the Mads, all the shows here on CCR are doing absolutely wonderful. So great job, Marcus Parks, on, ah. on all that stuff. And uh, you can find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks, Instagram the same. Henry is Henry Loves You on Twitter and Dr. Fantasty on Instagram. I am Instagram Ben Kissel one and Ben Kissel on Twitter. And follow us on everything for last podcast and left at LP on the left. All right. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. Hail Gein. Hail me. And let's do a Magustalations as well. Magustalations. The Magustalations heard around the world. <laughs> it really is. Is that what we're going to call our Webby win? The oh, Magustalations the Mag- heard around the, the world. Heard around the world. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Ready to go. All right, it's time for the Patreon shoutouts, everyone. Thank you so much for everyone who donated. I'm going to be working on a creepy pasta. I hope to get one done this week. We got a busy week here as always, but it'll be fun. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, I guess I'll just start it off here with the fella. His name is Cody Carpenter, and he pledged $50. Thank you so much, Cody Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, Devin Jerome, Abby Gaylord, Ian Rankowitz, Edward Hintz, Antonio Galindo, Daniel Cohen, Amy McFarlane, Shane Lee Cornelius. Ooh, sounds like a university building. Steve Gerben, <laughs> Brian Lewandowski, D- uh, Dylan Doherty, Stacy, Lauren Lalande. Thank you so much for donating. Alana, that's my first name. Marija Corson, James Gilmore, Julia Porter, Becky Kumpf. Don't say it. It's Kumpf. Becky Kumpf. I'm actually, it means he's probably attractive because yeah. that's what happens. We oh, yeah. Always. Yeah, yeah. I think Sasha Gray's real last name is like Gorski. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gorski's a great last name. Yeah, don't fucking shit on that name. It's a great name. <laughs> you got Spencer Jansen, Richard Edens, Elena Pantoya Nelson, Alexis Ashbach, Stoner Mom. I bet she's a great mom. I love <laughs> Jared Cram. Jorgen Derskog. Jorgen Derskog. Jorgen Derskog. <laughs> Dominique Kalich and Nicolette Moreau. Oh, okay. Damien Maldonado. Eric Johnson. Carol Ingren. Stephen Frank. Sharon Lausen. Jenna Pucci. Angela Gomez. Claire. Wendy Hellickson. Erin O'Laughlin. Hey, girl. How are you? Hey, Thank girl. you for giving your money. Dylan, Lucky Desperado. Ooh. <laughs> Tyler, An- Analia Golovin, Eric Buckridge, Zach Brame, Beth Nuyens, Dave Salvatore, Stephen Malstead, Carly Weatherby, Gavin Crabtree, David, Alyssa Gray, Jennifer Milska, Adam Slater, Kate Landis, Hillary Barton. What's going on, girl? Hello. Thank you. Giving us your money. I like your money. All right. Brian Sweeney. Mm. AJ Simmons. James. Deidre Eichstedt. Emily L. 
Megan Taylor. All right, I'm going to read a bunch here. We got Laser Time. That's always a fun time. Alexandria Curtis, Adam Twardzik, Lindsay Sledzik, Seth Agreer, Amanda Kern, Savannah Grosh, or Grosh, Carlos Madrano, Dead Glass Design. Check out Dead Glass Design for all your design needs, specifically if you want something dead on the glass. Uh, Chris McCann, Stephanie Fleck, Maggie, Tony Muchka, Kim Carson, Desiree, J.D. Martin, Aaron Egon, Eli Sims, Tommy Center, Emily Cusick, Elizabeth Altphilis, Altphilisich, that's a tough one, Altphilisich, Hayden uh, Hayden Bamford, Peter Nokio, Julian Levy, Jesse Barnes, Moth, Martha Worms, Wormsley, 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 <laughs> Jenny Price, Nikki, Ryan White, Jerry Caldwell, Kelly Fitzsimmons, Raiden Clotier, Livy Hoskins, Maddie at Matt Eddy, Margaret Shell, and Mandy. Thank you guys so much. I got Travis Middleton, Tali Herska, Ellie McKenna, Brittany Garreau, Rory, Bobby Welch, Chastity Copany, Cole Geisman, Brady Bennett, Griffin Meckleberg, Tristan Powers. Alex Moore. Alex, hey, thank you, Alex. Thank you very much, Alex. Alex is a wonderful yeah. stand-up comedian here in New York City and a good friend. Sarah Cavanaugh, Richard Whitesell, Eric Green, Sarah Jean Thomas, Jason Arnott, Kristen, Ellie Brown. Hey, Ellie. Hello, Ellie. Hey, Ellie, what's up? Thank you, Ellie. I miss you. Sarah Schwaber, Gracie Whelan, Heather Jones, Cynthia Vrabel, Sean Parks. That's Sean. Interesting. That's, that's my name. That's my that's name. <laughs> Emily Brown, Amanda Caitlin, Hannah Hardman. Hello, Emily Brown. What's going on? I think so. Actually, probably a very common name. I think it may be my friend Emily Brown, but I don't know. Amanda Caitlin, Hannah Hardman, Jonathan Roche, Corey Fisher, Natalia, Bree Burkett, and John Enos. All right. Ooh. Sawyer Cost. Hey. Shara Viva. Jack Hazard, Nick Downton, Logan R, Michael Forbus, Abby Pugh, Lewis Glass, Matt Sefford, Ellie Jamos, Eleanor Shakeshaft. <laughs> that's a great name. Like Shake Shack, but yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, with, with cock. <laughs> All right. Eric Schwartz, Tracy Bunting, David Tenbarge, James Blick. Justin Davis, Sheila Connor. I'm looking for Sheila Connor. <laughs> I'm looking for Sheila Connor. <laughs> Sean Schaefer, <laughs> Bailey Petrie, Molly Brown. Hey, uh, who are you looking for? I'm looking for Sheila Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Get to the job. Look out, look out, look the job. Rob Black, Annie Nash, Jason Just. Oh, it's just Jason Just pledged. This is Jason. Eric Holland. Tara Dalton. What's going on? I know your fucking ass. Joseph Williams. Faye Schofield. Jessica Evans. Maria Anwar. Adam Blackburn. Caitlin Hernandez. Joseph Rice. Emma Britton. Jace Jesse Lacey. Warren Duff. Lauren. Helena N. Gracie Ham. Sarah Magelson. All right, I'm going to finish my list off here. 
I got a fellow, his name is Colin Long, Caitlin Moore, James, David Walker, Matthew N. Downs, Joseph Downing, Captain Bruce Sherwing, thank you for your service, Brittany Philippalooza, Holly Burns, Greg Sorensen, Joshua Lopez, Jeffrey Femmel, Aaron Reese, Saskill, Tam Summers, Britta Pogue, Connor. Tam Summers, she's the one with two vaginas. Oh, look at that. <laughs> well, then we should thank her twice. Is Tam that, Summers, is that Tam common? Summers. Is that common knowledge? Yeah, we, she, we met her on the stream. She was the one telling us about having two vaginas. Cool. All right, then. Uh, thank you for your service. Uh, <laughs> Britta Pogue, Connor Riddle, and Paul. Let's continue on here with Meredith Metallic, uh, or Metal Hick. It's metal and then H key at the end of it. H K. So metal hook, I guess. Um, Michael McHaley, Megan Stogner or Stogner, Maeve Power, Shane Demock, Alicia, Brandon Nielsen, Lee Mas- Masani, Peter Burrell Sander, Laura Culpepper, William Sharmock, Stephanie McLean, Hope, Owen Kinslow. Ben Franza, Frasa, rather, Ben Frasa, Kyle Cardine, Chris Sinchuk, Craig Modelski, and, all <laughs> oh, right, Maddie Burford, Chris, Chris Ellis, Donald Thorpe, <laughs> Jennifer Place, Aria213, Kate Wheeland, David Enright, Jake Simpson, Catherine High, hi, Kelsey Peterson, Jonathan, Jordan Berkland, Lexi Campbell, Eva Lewis, Blair Gorman, Hannah Granberry, better than Cranberry, it's Granberry. Mark- Hannah Granberry gave me a, the craziest joint I've ever received in Denver. <laughs> I the name is burning my head because it made me go insane. She put it. She was like, I've been saving Keef for five months, and I put it in this. And so Kissel left my room. I smoked the rest of it and just hallucinated and stared at my ceiling. There you know, it is. You know, you guys just don't really seem to enjoy weed all that much. I don't smoke it or eat it. <laughs> um, all right, we got Chris Mason and Mark McNabb. I want to thank Mark McNabb. He's a longtime supporter. I believe he's a Fox News tra- uh, crossover. Oh. So Mark McNabb's always been very nice to me. So thank you, Mark, Mark McNabb, for coming over to the last podcast on the left. I'm going to finish as well. Daphne Kelly, S. Baca. David Butler, Jenny Whiskey, Mick Spiller. Yeah. yeah, Jenny Whiskey, Mick Spiller, Richard Crankshaw, Dylan Vogt, Vogt, Nikki Goodman, Amelia S., Sam Littlefield, Kelly Dirk, Jeff Guggenbiller. It's <laughs> a funny name. It's funny. Guggenbiller. Guggenbiller? Guggenbiller. That's a fun name. It's a really fun name. There's so many more fun names than our names. <laughs> Brody Lowe, Amber Rose McNeil, Jeffrey Greek, Leah Harris, Josh Quarles, Allison Maurer, Moore, Megan Simmons, CCJ, Hannah LaRoche, Throw the Flag Football. Okay, I like flag football. Jessica Miko, Haley, Jasmine Downey, Rosin Nikgala Ra, Samantha Borg, Holly Lossie, Ian Fisher, Erner Gunnarsson, Dermot hmm. Steele, Krisha Liddell, Michael Steele. Ooh. Is it, oh. do you think it's related? <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> Dermot Steele. That's a very cool name. Catherine Pal- Palmano. Palmeno. Lorena Hernandez. Oh. Andy Doherty. Sophie Carr. Clinton Thorncraft. Kylie Lakuski. 
Jesse, Chris Taylor, Buddy Campbell. I knew a guy growing up named Chris Taylor. Maybe it's the same one. Maybe the same guy, oh, yeah. Thank, thank you, Chris, if that is yeah, same a guy. common name. But uh, not that common. common. I never heard of a Chris Taylor before. It was good yeah, it could, could be the friend. Thank you, Chris. Buddy Campbell, Chase Ramsey, Omar Gonzalez, Eric Lehman, Artemis Nolasco, Vanessa Paleski, Laura Schuster, Mike Suzuki, and Rain. Rain? Rain. Rain. Oh, that's good. Elizabeth Jones, Mark Legalize Ranch, Z, Bryce Landry, Horst Draper, Derek Warner, Jacob Papanek, Sierra Salgado, Pedigrigi, Valerie J. Bell, Lazi Tecara, Griffin Meckelberg, Tiara McClure, No GG Augustine, Jonathan Nolan, The Wolfman, Sarah Harding, Luke Landy, Ben Stansbury, Christopher Lee Froler, Dan Flanagan, Nathan Quella, James Millen, Kevin Ikes, Megan Cockrum, Nicole Wong, David Raposa, Greg, Shauna Walter, and Phil Bear. Thank you for your service. All right. Well, thank you all so much for donating. You're the lifesavers that allowed us to do this. So mm-hmm. we really appreciate it. And um, I guess we're just going to do a hail yourselves on my part. Mm-hmm. Hail Satan to you. Hail Gein. Thank you very much, everyone. We couldn't tell you how God. much we appreciate it. Yes. Yes. Bless you. And a collective magustalations. Bless you.